Yesterday I saw a graphic and it just sent me into a rabbit hole and I started thinking over and over again. Is Jackson Dart the SEC's best quarterback? You are locked on Ole Miss. Your daily podcast on the Ole Miss Rebels. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Thanks for making the Lockdown Ole Miss podcast your first listen every day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcasts, including YouTube. We're part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day, or more likely Ole Miss every day. Am I right? I'm right. Hi, I'm Stephen Willis, and this is the Lockdown Ole Miss podcast. And I was just playing around on Twitter yesterday, and a graphic came up ranking all the quarterbacks in the SEC, and it had Jackson Dart number three. This is what it looked like. And they ranked K.J. Jefferson number one, which I'm going to tell you exactly why in just a second why I wouldn't take that. Jaden Daniels, number two. Uh, I'm going to tell you why that's an issue. And then there's Jackson Dart. Then you have Will Rogers, Connor Wigman. You have essentially the usual suspects. But my first reaction to all of this is the SEC is having an extremely down year at quarterback and there's no reason why Jackson Dart shouldn't be at the top of that list. If you looked at last year's total QBR numbers, you know, Hendon Hooker and Stetson Bennett and Bryce Young, they kind of ran away with everything with a total QBR of over 80. Then there's a cluster after that of K.J. Jefferson, Jaden Daniels, and Jackson Dart that kind of falls 4, 5, and 6, which is also mirrors the top three that is on this 2023 ranking, which is done by, I guess, that SEC podcast. And they're pretty excited about what they do. And I, I like their graphics work, and I like the way it looks, and I like their kind of branding that they do. But I just started looking at this, and, and instilled, even now, looking at these graphics, I'm like, Jackson Dart needs to be higher on that list. And let me explain. K.J. Jefferson is a really good quarterback, Okay. He just is. He's a really good quarterback. I like K.J. Jefferson. But the one thing that's stuck in my head is De'Eric King. Who is De'Eric King, you might add? Well, he was a quarterback for the Houston Cougars, who was a quarterback under Kendall Browse that was all-world, all-everything, and led the Houston Cougars to a pretty good season and a pretty explosive offense. Then Kendall Browse went, went on to Florida State. And De'Eric King kind of drifted into obscurity. It was just a quarterback that was perfectly suited for the style of offense that Kendall Browse matched to his skill set. He ended up not being the same guy, transferring to Miami, not really the guy. He's like toiling away in the XFL now. Good quarterback, not great quarterback. And in any situation, you would not rate him as the number one quarterback in whatever conference he's in without Kendall Browse. That scenario is playing in my head in regards to K.J. Jefferson. I think he's a good quarterback, but I think once you remove that Kendall Browse aspect and add Dan Enos, you're not going to have the same guy. You might. He might go against all odds and make it happen. But historically, that does not happen. The other one is Jaden Daniels. And I've seen people like rate him as early Heisman candidate. And... Whenever you see exactly what he can do, he can be wild. He rushed for like nearly 900 yards last year, had nearly 200 carries. 
that was probably the strength of his game. Now, he didn't turn the ball over much, and that is a good thing because protecting the ball is always going to be a massive issue for a quarterback in the Southeastern Conference. You can't do anything else unless you can protect the football. But if you look at total yards, if you look at his completion percentage, you look at his touchdowns, things like that, it, it just doesn't jump out at you. Like I said, a good quarterback, he's a problem. He's hard to deal with, but it just kind of is what it is. Now, if you look at this list, I don't know if either two of those are better than Jackson Dart. Jackson Dart ended up running for 700 yards, 20 touchdowns, nearly 3,000 yards passing. A really good year for Jackson Dart, and we are talking about Hey, transfer quarterbacks are coming in to replace him. Walker Howard's on the roster now. Maybe maybe he's the guy that we give um, the reins to. And he might be the best quarterback in the Southeastern Conference. Now, if you look at this list again, Joe Milton down at six, I agree with that. Because, you know, I make the joke all the time. Joe Milton can throw the ball 40 yards if you need the ball thrown 40 yards. He can throw the ball 40 yards if you need the ball thrown 20 yards as well. It's my joke. Um, I think Devin Leary at number seven for Kentucky, I think that's an underranked guy. He's a guy that could surprise and make it to where SEC football kind of fits him. He had a pretty good career at NC State. Carson Beck is the five-star that could jump up and be a really good quarterback that we're not expecting. I, I don't know if you can take a Georgia quarterback and just sit him in the middle of the pack. I mean, I realize that we haven't seen him really play. I if, if he wins that job, he's going to have something there. Spencer Rattler is honestly in the, about the right place. Jalen Milrow is about in the right place. I think for Alabama to be the best version of themselves, they need Ty Simpson to win that job because they need an A.J. McCarron-type quarterback. Um, Brady Cook, I, I kind of like Brady Cook. Just is what it is, but number 11, on the list, Peyton Thorne, number 12 at Auburn. He's in about the right spot. A.J. Swan may be a little bit underranked. I could probably see him in the top 10 above Rattler and Milrow. Um, but but you put a V out beside his name, and everybody just kind of lets him go. But as a true freshman, A.J. Swan was a little bit of a baller last year. Includes a win over the Florida Gators in that situation. Almost got them to a bowl game. And Graham Mertz is coming in at number 14. You can see the list. It's not an impressive list. And I think that's the combination of us really drilling down on what Jackson Dart needs to get better. And if he does, he's the best quarterback on those, this list. He is the best SEC quarterback with improved middle-of-the-field accuracy and usage. Period. Not even close. And when you look at this, Jackson Dart's getting those plaudits down there. He had one interception in spring training. And whenever we get into the fall, if that can continue, he can add middle of the field usage. You have a chance that Jackson Dart could shoot at this ranking and be a comfortable number one alongside Quinchon Judkins, who is also a comfortable number one. Now you can see a little bit where my head is with this Ole Miss football team, especially offensively. They have a chance to be really, really good. But that's from that SEC podcast, Michael Bratton. Um, they do a really good job. If you look over to the right on this, this is last year's total QBR as well. Anyway, I do want to let you know that today's show is brought to you by the FanDuel Sportsbook. Take your first swing at betting MLB 
on FanDuel and get 10 times back your first bet amount in bonus bets up to $200. That's right, you'll just bet $20 and you'll land 200 bucks in bonus bets, win or lose. That's 200 you can spend betting everything from money line to the over-under to who you think is going to hit the first home run in a game. All on an app that is safe, secure, and super easy to use. Plus, when you win, you can get paid instantly. You don't have to go anywhere. It's just there. There's no better place to bet on MLB than FanDuel. It's America's number one sportsbook. Yes, I realize that Mississippi is a brick-and-mortar casino state. But Louisiana is not. Tennessee is not. If you go to New Orleans, Baton Rouge, Shreveport, Delta, Louisiana, you can use the FanDuel Sportsbook app. If you go to Memphis, Gatlinburg, Jackson, Jackson, Tennessee, I should say, um, Nashville, all of that, you can use the FanDuel Sportsbook app. So sign up today and visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to get $200 in bonus bets. That's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. FanDuel, it's an official partner of Major League Baseball. Thanks for making the Locked On Ole Miss podcast your first listen every day. We're free and available wherever you get your podcast, including YouTube. Every day as we will continue our March to Media Days. We're counting them down. It's about, what is it, about eight or nine or ten days or something like that. We are getting fired up. It is getting closer. It's going to happen, and we are excited. So, Check us out during that time. Follow us. Tell a friend. Do all the stuff that you need to do. This is the Locked On Almost Podcast. We do this for you. We want to make following Almost Sports fun again. And I think we are doing that. We're, we're charting on the U.S. charts now like every day. We're, it's pretty impressive for a fan base as small as Ole Miss that we're able to do that so much. So obviously we are doing something right. Now, I know we're talking about football season being right around the corner, but Chris Beard has finalized his coaching staff, and it's kind of an impressive one. Chris Beard, you know, at Ole Miss, everybody wondered how seriously Ole Miss would take basketball when Chris Beard got the job or whether or not Chris Beard would get the job. And what what has happened is the basketball roster of coaches and the way they do things is completely top-notch. Now, I look at this team, and I think this could be an NCAA tournament team in year one. I don't think we're going to have a situation where the last two years happens again. Chris Beard is going to have them going right down the right road. It's a situation where they're recruiting transfers and recruits at a high level. They're actually in the game recruiting super five-star type basketball players for the class of 2025 and beyond. This truly is a new era for Ole Miss basketball. And part of that is the fact that their basketball coaches, the assistant coaches, it's just on a different level. And when you look at this, like the lead assistants, Al Pinkins and Wes Flanagan, are popping up like we expected that. Those are kind of the two names that we expected. Al Pinkins was at Ole Miss earlier. He coached Murphy Holloway, got a lot out of him. I think Murphy's GAing right now with this basketball squad. The inside game, I have little worry about it. And this is a team that has Jamarian Sharp and um, Musa Cisse and all of those guys on the front line. A good big man coach is going to come in very handy. Al Pinkins is going to do that. Wes Flanagan has been with Chris Beard before at Little Rock whenever 
Chris Beard kind of burst on the scene. He ended up at Auburn where he played basketball. He's Jason Flanagan's brother, by the way, Ole Miss legend on the hardwood. And I think he's the coach of Holmes Community College at the moment. But those are the two names that we kind of expected to see whenever the staff was getting put together. Now, this is where it switches. Bob Donawald, um, a NBA coach. He has, he's been an NBA assistant with Charlotte, New Orleans, and Cleveland. He's coached professionally overseas in Russia, China, Ukraine, Brazil, and the UK. And he spent the 07-08 season on the staff at UAB. He was the head coach of the Chinese national team from 10 to 12 and was the head coach of the Iowa Energy of the D-League, now the Iowa Wolves of the G-League from 2014 to 2016. This is a name that you might have heard way back then, but he, he never really was on the radar because people honestly assumed that the next name would be getting his spot, his job. But... This adds a little bit of NBA experience and somebody that Chris Beard can point to is, hey, we know how to do this. We know how to get you there. Uh, we have coaches that have coached at all levels and Chris Beard, a former junior college coach himself, understands that talent can be found in a lot of places and Bob Donawalt definitely fits that bill. Win Case has been named a special assistant to the coach. He's staying on staff. Um, he has been at Ole Miss. He was here with Kermit Davis. He is a continuity hire but also when Case was the head coach as an interim head coach after Kermit Davis left the school. He um, was the head coach at Oklahoma City where he won two NAIA national championships. It's another situation where talent is recognized and found at different locations than just, hey, look at this, all right? The last name we're going to talk about is Brian Berg. He's been hired as an analyst. And it's, this is important because people looked at Brian Berg and they just assumed he was going to be the number one assistant on the staff. He's being hired as an analyst. And you have a guy that has won the Joby Hall Award as recently as 2020-2021 to the top first-year head coach in Division One. Prior to his time at Georgia Southern, Berg was on Beard's staff at Texas Tech. And um, he was there at Little Rock as well. So you talk about between him and West Fam Flanagan, Beard is kind of putting the band back together. He's coached at Division One level at Campbell at North Carolina Central. He spent two years as the director of basketball operations at Middle Tennessee State. That's under Kermit, by the way. Before assistant coach positions at Western Texas College and Garden City Community College, another JUCO in, in the ranks. So. This staff, my, my immediate reaction to this staff is, holy cow, to be able to put this much talent on, an, on a coaching roster is nothing but good news for the future of Ole Miss basketball. Nothing but good news can be taken. You see these names and how this is built and what's going on. This is a staff unlike any that Ole Miss has had. They even had some successful type years. They did not have staffs like this. And Chris Beard, you can see how they are going to work, and they're about to start working. Their team activities are probably going to be starting in some level in the next month or so to where they can work with kids and start to install what they do. There are no middle defense and stuff like that. And this basketball team has a chance to be better than we expect, and we already expect 20 wins. And this is a first-year coach. I mean, I understand that you don't, you don't just say, hey, these are miracle workers or something like that. You don't want to set your expectations up to fail. 
but this it's hard not to be excited about. We're talking about basketball in mid-July when football season is coming up. That is how excited we are about what Chris Beard and his staff can do. We're not even talking about players. We're just talking about the backroom staff. We're talking about the assistant coaches. We're talking about the people that were going to be responsible for recruiting. We talk about how they have an opportunity to build something increasingly special. And a return to the late 90s type Ole Miss period in men's basketball not only seems possible, it seems likely. Anyway, when we come up next in the show, we're going to talk about our preview of the game with the Alabama Crimson Tide. This is a fun game, and I am going to be pretty fired up about it, and I am going to tell you all this different stuff, and then I'm probably going to ultimately pick a loss at the end of it. But that's only because Alabama gets the benefit of the doubt until they don't. But I'll tell you exactly why you should expect something good to happen in Alabama the third week of the season or the fourth week of the season. Stick around. Thanks for making the Locked On Ole Miss podcast your first listen every day. For your second listen, check out Locked On SEC. Chris Gordy does a fantastic job. And all my everydayers should know I talk about Locked On SEC quite a bit. So listen to Chris Gordy, hear what he has to say, and he will not steer you wrong. Hi, I'm Stephen Willis. This is the Locked On Ole Miss podcast, and we are going to do our Alabama Crimson Tide game preview. It is week four of the season, and I expect this Alabama preview to be unlike any that you've heard in the last probably 13 years, okay? Doesn't mean the result's going to change, but this is a different type preview, and I think everybody needs to be aware of how that goes. Last season, Alabama went 11-2. and They went 6-2 um, and in the SEC. They played in the Sugar Bowl. They beat Kansas State. 11-2, and they were two plays away from being undefeated last season. They were also two plays away from being in the Music City Bowl. And Bryce Young is probably the reason that they avoided the Music City Bowl. Just honestly, just being real about it, um, with the exception of the Texas A&M game whenever Jalen Milrow was the quarterback in the game. But without Bryce Young, they're probably in a lower-level bowl outside of the New York's New Year's Six. Now, this is Alabama, right? We all know how this works, picking with Alabama. You know the deal. You have one of the four best teams in college football before spring ball starts. We know you have one of the four best teams in college football. And, of course, the playoff committee knows that you're one of the best teams in college football. That's your starting point. All you have to do is finish the regular season with one loss and you're in. That's asking for something amazing out of just everyone else, but that's kind of part of Alabama's DNA. They've earned this. The bar is set based off of this. It's an extremely high bar. And 99% of the schools in the NCAA would never hit it. Two losses, no matter how they happen, and they're not in. Because if they get in, people are going to lose their mind. And when the playoff expands, then you can get in with two losses, Alabama. That's the deal, and it has worked out really well over the last 14 years going for Alabama. Now, there's five questions that they talked about for Alabama spring practices and going into fall camp, okay? And I'm not going to list all five because 
I, I don't know if it's necessary, but there's three of them that I want to talk about because if any other school had all three of these on one list, they'd be predicting them to go to the Birmingham Bowl. Now, I do realize that Alabama has some elite talent all over the field, except at quarterback, which is another red flag. But one of the reasons that they're talking right now is Tommy Reese is taking over the offense. He was the offensive coordinator at Alabama. He is known as a little bit of a whiz kid. Bill Bryan, there's no O, by the way. Just get that joke, you get it. Um, Departed Tuscaloosa for a return to the NFL and the New England Patriots staff in the offseason. Under O'Brien's watch, Alabama's offense finished first in the SEC in scoring in 21 and tied for second last year. Although um, O'Brien's offense were effective on the stat sheet, few fans in, in, the, in Tuscaloosa were upset at his return in the NFL. Notre Dame offensive coordinator Tommy Reese was hired to replace O'Brien, and this spring is the first chance for the former fighting Irish quarterback to get a look at an offense and implement, implement any tweaks or changes. Okay. Tommy Reese has a chance to be a really good quarterback. This is, make no mistake, an answer to Georgia winning back-to-back national championships, protecting the defense, doing the stuff similar to what Alabama was doing in 2011 and 2012. Georgia was do- has been doing that and has completely taken over college football. So Alabama is trying to copy Georgia. This isn't a bad thing. All sports are copycat leagues, and Tommy Reese fits similarly to what Todd Monken did as well. He relies heavily on tight ends. There's a lot of them there. Um, We could not name skill position players on Alabama's team going into fall camp. The offense is going to be a little bit sparse, and they just lost Bryce Young. Now, the next thing that pops up is the Ty Simpson versus Jalen Milrow at quarterback. I am of the opinion that if they're going to go full A.J. McCarron, they need to go full A.J. McCarron and put Ty Simpson at quarterback. If you try to do things like Jalen Milrow, like um, the quarterback that was there, Lane Kiffin's first year, I forget his name. Sorry about that. And his brain brain surgery moment. Um, If you give him that and do that, he might have good numbers. He might do whatever he can do, but he's not going to win a national championship. I don't think Jalen Milrow can win a national championship at Alabama. I think Ty Simpson can, but as a game manager. So knowing going to that from Bryce Young in such a quarterback-dependent offense, Alabama is going to look weird. Now, those are two major things that Alabama has to overcome. What's the third one? Well, the third one is they need to replace Will Anderson and other key faces up front. They have a heavy turnover on their defense. And I get that Alabama gets the benefit of the doubt, and I'm about to give them the benefit of the doubt. But they have a new defensive coordinator as well. But Will Anderson is gone. DJ Dell is gone. Brian Young is gone. Henry Toa Toa is gone. Jalen Moody is gone. Now, Dallas Turner is going to be the defensive end rush guy on this defense. And there's other players that are pretty supremely talented as well that could step up, but they still have to. If there's any kind of a learning curve, Alabama could be on a little bit of trouble. And I tell you all of this because it's the truth. It's not anything sugarcoating what's going on. After Alabama's first six games, they could be three and three. They could also be five and one. I do not think they can be six and up. We'll go over that right now. Here is their first six games. They play versus Middle Tennessee, versus Texas, 
at South Florida versus Ole Miss, at Mississippi State, at Texas A&M. I think Texas A&M is going to be a problem for Alabama. They've been a problem for Alabama in the last two years. They've got the talent to match up with Alabama. I think Lane Kiffin wants to beat Nick Saban more than probably any other team on his schedule. That is going to be a difficult game. And the Texas game, they are coming for blood. Those are three games that you can look at. In the worst-case situation for Alabama, those are three games that you need to look at. Now, if you look at the ESPN FPI, Alabama is rated as an 89% chance of winning that game. Ole Miss has a 10% chance of winning that game. So probability is not in Ole Miss's favor. Now, if we do the W's and losses on Ole Miss's schedule, I am going to call this an L. I think for all the reasons I talked about, I could talk myself into Ole Miss winning this game. And by the time the game actually happens and the fourth game of the schedule is actually here, I may predict Ole Miss to win the game. But looking at that, whenever Alabama gets all of the benefit of the doubt, whenever you look at what they can do and the athletes they have all over the place, it's like, well, I don't care if they got a guy that got beat out at Notre Dame quarterback. Um, I, you know, they, they still have Dallas Turner. And until I see otherwise, I'm just going to assume that he knows how to deal with it. He, he's going to be a dude. I'm Defensive line-wise, I think they're going to be a dude. Kool-Aid McKinstry is probably going to be the best cornerback in the Southeastern Conference. There's going to be guys on this team. And because of that, I just think they're going to figure it out. I think that Texas game is going to scare them. They might actually lose that game. And if that happens, that could be the worst possible situation for Ole Miss. And it will make that game in Tuscaloosa even more. But if Ole Miss can get Alabama and Alabama starts off the season 2-2 two and two, with Texas A&M still left to come, you're looking at a situation where Alabama may not be as good as we think they are going to be. I think there's a situation where Alabama can win 10 games next year. I think there's a situation where they can win seven. And it sounds weird talking about Alabama, but I just think that is the case. But they get the benefit of the doubt. And Ole Miss, in that game, we chalked that one up as an L. And there's a whole lot of water that needs to go into the bridge between now and then. But while we're giving out the benefit of the doubt, Alabama's always going to receive it. They just are. Anyway, thank you for making the Locked On Ole podcast your first listen every day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcast, including YouTube. Be sure to subscribe to the YouTube channel, by the way, and tell a friend if you don't mind as well. We are available wherever you get your podcast. Um, we're part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day, Ole Miss every day. We are continuing to work towards media days. It's the dog days of summer. The heat dome is over us in Central Florida, and we have 110-degree heat indexes happening all over the place. I hope everybody is staying safe. I hope everybody is having a good time, and I hope everybody is enjoying their summer. Um, tune in tomorrow. We will keep going about this March to media days. Anyway, thank you very much for tuning in. We'll see you then.